Mr. Mark Selby, how are you, sir? I'm doing very well. It's a Good. late Happy New Year to you for this. It, it, it is. I can understand that you've been a little bit busy. So <laughs> today, just, just to reset it up, we're going to talk about why you've been busy um, in, in a second, but we're also going to use this as an opportunity for our annual event, which is a kind of review of the nickel space in 2023 and look at how you did on your forecast and maybe look out into 2024. So let's start with, what have you been up to, Mark? Yeah, so, I mean, it's been a great start for Canada Nickel. Um, you know, two two blockbuster strategic investments. So uh, January 2nd, uh, announced uh, $35 million financing backed by Agnico Eagle. Uh, that's Canada's largest uh, gold company. Uh, we're their first non-gold investment uh, that they've, you know, outlined, uh, publicly announced. Um, they're our neighbor. They run the two biggest open pit uh, gold mines uh, in Canada. Uh, about two thirds of the company's NAV is within a few hundred kilometers of of Crawford, and so you know the fact that they run very similar operations to what Crawford looks like is 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 a great endorsement of of what we're doing. And again, that thirty five million dollars is all flow through money. So you know we've talked uh, you know that we think we've got half a dozen Crawfords there. This is going to give us the money uh, to drill it out. So that's you know one whole dimension of the story um, that's you know got a got a big seal of approval. Uh, and then the deal that we announced at the start of this week is the Samsung uh, transaction where, uh, you know, we've got Samsung coming in uh, as an equity holder, Samsung SDI, who's one of the world's largest battery makers. Um, and they have the opportunity to buy 10% of the project uh, at a U.S. billion dollar valuation or about six times our you know current market cap. And so, you know, a, a the combination of having both of those back to back has has really started to shake some of the institutional shareholders. Uh, loose um you know our view has been you know for a lot of fund managers they just read the headlines around indonesia and think oh you know I'm, i don't need to spend any time on nickel i'm just going to go back to my gold silver copper stocks and you know the fact that it's an asian battery maker you know uh who's taking the time to make an investment in canada um and do it at a you know pretty healthy valuation you know i think really underscores you know, the fact that Indonesia is not going to be the you know, 100% solution for all nickel supply going forward. And we knew need we do need North American-based sources of supply. And then the other announcement this week was FPX, you know, who's another one of these built, big bulk tonnage, ultramafic, uh, you know, that has zero carbon potential. Uh, they just got an endorsement investment from Sumitomo Metal Mining, who's one of the top uh, mining companies. They built HPAL projects in Asia. They're the few, again, one of the few companies who's done that successfully um, outside of Indonesia. And so, again, they're turning to these big bulk tonnage ultramafics, you know, as, as, as new projects. So when you've got two Asian companies coming to Canada, coming to not high-grade deposits, but these big bulk tonnage ultramafics, it should send a pretty clear signal that, you know, th this is what the market wants. This is what the industry guys, you know, think will actually work um, and are, you know, putting their money where their mouth is. Right. So just in summary, so you've got two Asian companies who are coming to Canada because one, then they don't feel they can access what they need back home. So it's not a case yep. of Indonesia, Philippines will supply all of Asia, including yep. China, the consumer that they've got to find next big multi-decade sources elsewhere. And they've come to Canada. So yep. that's number one. So that that's, that's, that's absolutely fascinating. And, um, the second bit is the bit which kind of I want to talk about, okay. which is around even a lot of pressure on nickel as a result of that thought of, well, 
that we've got more nickel than we need in the, in the yep. world because it's kind of lazy headline writing and lazy interpretation. Is you've got funds which perhaps have not been paying attention. Will they be paying attention now that industry has said, you guys in Canada have got what we need? Does that answer the question for them? And then in which case, what do they do about it? Well, that, well, that's the good thing is, is, you know, we are getting the expected results. So, you know, we are getting those inbound approaches, you know, from a number of fund managers who we maybe haven't really talked to, you know, six for six months, nine months, you know, a, a year who, you know, are, are now like, okay, <laughs> I do have to pay attention uh, to what's going on here. And, you know, that's the opportunity in the sector is, is it's largely institutionally underinvested. So, you know, once, you know, once some of those funds start to come into the names, that's going to start to move them higher. And if, and again, if the resource funds institutions aren't really in a lot of these names, once they start to come in, that creates the space for the generalists to come in behind them in terms of, you know, who might be buying, you know, a critical minerals thesis. So, you know, it's, it's this, it's the, it's the beginning, you know, I think of the re-rating of this sector. And I think, you know, the next two or three months we're getting into, you know, in, <laughs> we're getting into conference season between, you know, uh, one-to-one in Cape Town, BMO, excuse me, you know, at, at the end of February and PDAC in, in early March. And so, you know, I, I, you know, I think by the end of end of this first quarter, you know, the, you know, the, you, things are going to really start to, to shift um, in this space. So, right. Um, have you any kind of thoughts around? And I know there's kind of speculation and, and possibly guesswork in some places, but if you have any sort of thoughts about what's been happening in the marketplace, because if I look at like F, FPX announcement, okay, Sumi Timer, so one of the greats in the in, in the space, know what they're doing, build these things, right? Um, they come in, FPX makes the announcement, stock goes from 27 cents to 33 cents overnight, and then straight back down again to 28. It's, yeah. Is that just people taking money off the table, or is there more to it in the background? Yeah, I, I, again, you know, there's been lots of talk about shorting. I don't know whether it's, you know, the, the U.S. funds, uh, you know, played around with uh, a little bit with this. Um, and the, the other part is, you know, it's, it's, it's been a, it was a dismal start across the sector. You know, the, the first few days, you know, in terms of copper, nickel, you know, the, the, the news out of China and so forth kind of spooked the market. So, you know, I, I think we've just got a sort of a, you know, sell mining a <laughs> uh, few days here. So uh, it, once things, these consolidate, you know, the key thing is, is you need new buying power to come into the market, to come into these names, to take, you know, to take us up to the next level. And, you know, I think the combined announcement, you know, we now have three, we have Anglo, Agnico, uh, Samsung SDI, FPX has Autokumpu, stainless steel company, uh, Sumitomo Metal Mining, and an unnamed strategic in, in the story. So if you've got six strategics in there, maybe it's time for a fund, some a few more funds to come in and, and uh, put, put some money into these stories. So we will see. Okay, well, we will see. And, and part of we will see is your annual forecast. Well, we'll, we'll look back as well, 2023, see how you did last time out you've done quite well over the past um three years um so we're going to whip up a uh presentation here yep and do you want to talk us through um that and i'll sort of ask dumb questions as you go along sure so the first thing i always do as a commodity analyst is is analyze my performance for the past year um based on what i said uh, i think people can basically get you know close this down and go to the next window um the the, the scores weren't quite as bad as you know i was basically over in terms of the exact statements uh what i got wrong and that kind of sort of filtered through a bunch of the forecasts was 
I expected things to, to have a sharp drop in the first quarter that we would see prices, you know, from the $30,000 level sort of plummet right through 20, um, you know, bounce off the bottom and then start to rebound um, as the year went on. I wasn't expecting lithium prices to do the multi-step level down, um, which is was really driving a massive destocking on the EV chain. And I've got a chart here and a few slides just to show how much, uh, you know, destocking um, there was. And so, you know, we didn't have any time to have any kind of rebound uh, throughout the year. So that's, you know, that was, you know, effectively what underpinned there, you know, on the show for people who've listened to it regularly, you know, we would, by February, it was pretty clear we weren't going to have that sharp sell-off as quickly as, as we thought. And so, um, you know, what, what, what did happen through the rest of the year, you know, we'd signal pretty clearly, at, you know, uh, for, for most of the show. So we'll get to the forecast at the end. But again, I think the forecast will also help, you know, I think I'm underpin, you know, 2024 is, is going to be a, a year we should we should see uh, some some significant investor interest, you know, come into the nickel space, uh, you know, by later in the year. So yeah, in terms of, you know, nickel price, this is where we started uh, last year. So, you know, up and around the $30,000 a ton level, you know, I had expect us to get down to de- down to 20 or even below that by, you know, February, March. And we, you can see we hung up in the 25 to $30,000 a ton range, uh, you know, for much longer than we expected. We finally broke through that $20,000 a ton level. And again, I think I've been <laughs> calling it from March, April, uh, that we were going to see that capitulation uh, happen, but it didn't happen until September. And we're now, you know, bouncing off, uh, you know, so, you know, 16,000 is, 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 is you're not going to see much movement below there. Um, and I'll talk about uh, why in a second. Um, in terms of the the big driver, in terms of, you know, well, what happened last year, um, you know, why didn't we see as much demand show up uh, as, as I may have initially uh, thought? And, and, you know, why didn't we see uh, the, the, the start to move higher? Uh, let me just put on my little laser pointer here. So, you know, this basically, these yellow bars, these, this is nickel use in batteries forecast by, uh, you know, one, one of uh, the firms, um, you know, the, the actual, with, you know, at the point they kind of measure nickel going in, it only went up less than 4% in 2023. Now the underlying demand growth, uh, when you look at, you know, cars, you know, we'll see what the final numbers are for, for December, but we should see EV demand growth, uh, sales growth for the year for between 30 and 40%. Um, you know, that's great. And in terms of, you know, n- the amount of nickel per EV, uh, you know, per some of those atomist statistics we've been talking about, we've seen about a six to 8% increase. That it that's That means that the underlying demand for nickel from the battery sector was actually up 40%. But what happened was, is sometime during these two years in 2021, 2022, there was a massive, you know, massive uh, inventory build um, as lithium prices were going up 10x. Um, you know, people were stockpiling, you know, materials throughout the uh, supply chain. And then as lithium prices came by, they really, really destocked um, the amount of batteries, you know, that we saw. So, you know, w- what that sets up for is, you know, when you've got a high underlying demand, uh, demand growth, and you've been restocking for a while, destocking for a while, when you restock again, you know, you can get a pretty violent move up, you know, sort of similar to what we saw back uh, in 2021. And so, you know, these these two numbers are not going to really slow down as we talked about, you know, we're, you know, North American sales are going to become a bigger, uh, more influential 
uh, number on the overall uh, demand use. Again, this is why Samsung SDI wants some nickel in North America because you know the you know the growth plans that these companies have uh, you know is 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 very very significant. We're going to see you know total North America nickel demand go you know triple in the next six or seven years. So um, you know this is setting the stage for a pretty significant rebound um, in in twenty twenty four. And do you think we're? Do you think the industry, except for May, Mark? So, like, do you think industry is going to be able to kind of smooth some of those curves? Because you know we saw during COVID, um, supply chains get hugely disrupted, and we had to move from this sort of just-in-time um, planning and financing for you know all, all businesses through to a much more inventory build I- I environment. So that was supply chain. What? What's it looked like in a, in the case where you've got mines which are struggling to um, match expectations around how long it takes to get into production because they're coming up against it not just the supply chain stuff but in the jurisdictional risk, political risk, funding, um, lack of personnel, the costs, etc., incentive price, etc., not being there for a lot of the commodities. So, what what are how does industry interpret that now? Because they've always been um, sort of you know, hands off, we'll just get what we need from metal traders. Now this sort of moving upstream, does do you think that'll help the sector smooth these curves a little bit? Oh, big time. You know, I, I think, you know, when can't reliably access public markets to provide the equity to advance these projects, you know, the the car makers and again the discussions we're having, you know, they they're 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 they know that if they want the supply to show up when they want it, um, you know, they're not going to wait around for the market to, to come back enough to be able to allow a company to raise the money. They're going to help write the check to, to get the mine built. So, you know, as, as we get out in the second half of the decade, you know, I think you'll see more, more deals, you know, similar to what GM did with, with lithium Americas. And you'll see that in nickel and some of the other critical mineral spaces going forward, which, which will be great for the industry. Again, I, I think that's a feature of the market that's going to, you know, you'll see more of those types of deals emerge as we as we walk work through 2024 which again should give the institutions you know the confidence to you know step into the space um you know in a much bigger way than they have so on the downside yeah this is a cost curve so the dash line that's running through there you know that's where current nickel prices are so generally a good long-term uh you know floor price for you know uh for a nickel uh bottom is about 70 percent of, of the cost curve price. And so you can see that, you know, we're, 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 you know, we're well into the cost curve. If you look at individual, uh, you know, producers in terms of where some of their cash costs are, you know, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of names. We saw Ravensthorpe close down, uh, uh, this week announced by first quantum. They're basically putting it, closing it for a minimum of two years. Um, and so, uh, you know, where we are right now is, you know, should hold up, uh, as a bottom. And, you know, again, starts to build the base, you know, for, for how we move higher as, as the year goes on. The, the other big thing that's happened now, so the chart here on the left, this is class one nickel production. You know, uh, the Chinese have, have started building refineries in China to basically, you know, again, you know, this whole shift uh, of moving, uh, you know, uh, units uh, from laterite ores and being able to have have them being delivered um as as LME deliverable products, you know we've 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 seen a bunch of refineries come on. Those will get there, and then you know, thank God, um, you know, hopefully by the end of the year, you know, this this sort of class one versus class two nonsense will you know finally subside, you know, and and you know we should see prices by year and get to the point where you know sulfate's going to be at a small 
premium or discount to uh, you know the LME price, and then you know having Matt and MHP climb back up, you know, into the low 90s and payable. I um, you know with that spread being the transformation cost, you know, between between the two fees, so it'll fully allow with enough capacity built, you know, nickel units to move between both markets, you know, w- without uh, without any issue uh, on that front. And then, you know, in terms of nickel, you know, um, this is the part, uh, you know, again, people who've listened to the show have, have probably heard me say, you know, the, the analysts always underestimate, you know, nickel demand growth. So again, so far, this first three years, we're basically up 9% since 2020 per year. Uh, I can guarantee you that no base metal analyst, commodity analyst had 9% growth for the first three years of this decade. And this is despite interest rates rising, despite China underperforming, you know, you know, there's, there's been a bunch of negatives that happened and we've still grown nickel demand at 9% a year. Remember, you know, as I said, we're getting into the more nickel intensive part of the EV market as big North American, as more big luxury cars, uh, you know, have uh, electric options. And so if anything, you should see this number, you know, and as the batteries become a bigger chunk of the overall nickel demand story, you know, this should be a minimum going forward. And yet again, all these commodity analysts, you know, maybe some of them have have now gotten brave enough to have 6% demand growth forecasts for a few years uh, in there. Um, And as a result, uh, you know, they've got surpluses running out for the next, you know, three, four years. That's, you know, they're woefully low and 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 you know when you put nine percent in this market you know rapidly gets into deficit in a, in a very short period of time so you know this this is the key piece that people uh, are 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 missing on the overall story right and then let's be clear i know we've talked about it a thousand times but get my information yep. again so it's a slight delay yeah, because i know you're up at timmins yeah on site and at minus 25 degrees so the the internet is <laughs> literally frozen, um, is the question, and we talked about a thousand times where we are looking at, obviously, nickel into stainless steel market is where where it, where it resides at the moment. That's that's 90% of the market, right? Yeah. EV will cut, obviously, as the EV market grows, it will be a bigger contributor and bigger you know, demand driver for, for nickel, um, for sure. But can you, can you just, again, remind people a little bit, um, uh, just to kind of, you know, I always like to sort of sigh these discussions off at the knees. Yeah. Car battery designs and use cases, LFP is going to destroy the demand for nickel. Discuss. Right. So, um, yeah, you know, again, you know, the LFP batteries are wonderful for small, uh, you know, shorter range cars. They've They've done a good job of extracting the maximum amount of, of energy density out of those batteries. Um, but the reality is, you know, if you want to have a big pickup truck or a big SUV, which is what, you know, a lot of North Americans drive, you know, you're, you're, you're not going to have, you know, as they have in China, maybe a 30 kilowatt battery. That's, that's all LFP. You're going to have a 90 kilowatt, 110 kilowatt, 130 kilowatt battery that's made up of a battery chemistry that's 90% nickel. Cause again, nickel is, is the thing that gives cars the range um, and, and has the higher energy density still. So, you know, the market's bifurcated, it'll stay bifurcated. Um, you know, e- each, each of those chemistries has a very appropriate use. And uh, again, just, just the uh, energy density that's there in a bunch of nickel chemistries, 
you know, the, you know, those, those batteries will continue to serve that, you know, high, high requirement end of the market, you know, for a very, very long time. So, you know, uh, I, you know, again, in 2020, most analysts had maybe four or 5% demand growth uh, for nickel and hadn't really factored much in, in the way of LFP. And we still ended up at 9% growth. So, you know, uh, again, if anything, this this for the next while should be considered almost a downside uh, growth forecast. So for 2024, hopefully I will do better uh, when we're talking this time uh, a year from now. We're, we're going to see demand growth in for nickel uh, hit double digits. So that restocking that will happen in the EV sector um, will kick off, I, you know, post Chinese New Year is is when I think we'll start to see the first signs of that. Um, and once you start to see nickel prices come off the bottom, that will also trigger a restocking cycle in the stainless steel market. You know, that's what did happen back in, in 2021. We got nickel demand growth of 17% uh, that year. Uh, I'm not sure we're going to quite get back to 17, but we'll definitely be in, in double digits. And again, it's it's going to be, you know, North America kicking in as a bigger chunk of the EV market. Um, on the supply side, you know, again, Indonesia for the last since 2015 has been more than 100% of nickel supply growth. Um, and that's going to be the case this year. You will see, we've seen Ravensorp come offline. You're going to see two or three other operations likely, you know, either shut down entirely or get curtailed. And there's no new projects starting up this year. So, um, you know, you're, you're going to you're going to see uh, Indonesia again, you know, uh, driving the bus in terms of new supply. But the key piece here is as we get through to the end of the year, um, you're going to start to see, you know, this this shrinking mine grade uh, uh, issue, I think, start to get a little more attention and start to really come through in terms of some of the production uh, numbers. And uh, again, I think as the year goes on, um, you will start to see Indonesia using the mining quotas to manage the amount of supply that comes to the market. So I don't think they want to spook, you know, the, the, the 10 or $20 billion dollar of H PAL investment that they're going to get over the next next two years, but I think you know I think you'll see them start to to, to manage that supply to the market, you know again, which will inherently make the market tighter. Uh, I think we'll see a small deficit uh, by year end. Um, uh, again, there'll still be some reported surplus just because people are missing this these EV supply chain stock builds uh, that we've talked about as new capacity first fill capacity uh, comes online. But you know, I, by we should see. And then this is uh, not what most people have. Uh, you'll see a market, I think, in a small deficit. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll climb back up towards $20,000. I'm not sure whether we'll get through there quite yet by the end of 2024. But, you know, we'll be in a position with, uh, you know, the fundamentals demand-wise there. You know, people will see that, oh, geez, you know, even though we get a bunch of supply growth out of Indonesia, we'll see even faster nickel demand growth. And I, and I think... You know, it'll position uh, the nickel market with some some real momentum. You know, as as a commodity, and again, in terms of getting institutional investors, you know, in the story, the 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 issue for um, a lot of these institutions is, you know, as much as they say, oh, we understand all of all of all of the world of mining, and and we'll invest in anything and everything if it's good. The reality is, is 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 most of them do gold and silver, precious metals. They do copper. Uh, they do the flavor of the month. You know, I think uranium has now picked that up from where lithium had been uh, for the last two years, and they pretty much pretty much ignore the rest of of, of the periodic table that's there. And so, uh, I don't think it, nickel may not be flavor of the month by um, 
by the end of the year, but it'll it'll be uh, there'll be enough interest and momentum there that will start some of them to to really take a good look at the sector. Yeah, and I, th- I think what we will see possibly with, with, with Nicola, you, you've referenced a few companies not just today, but you know over the past couple of years where companies have gone out with full intent of getting into production and found they've come a cropper. Yeah, it's 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 hard. Um, for lots, lots of reasons. So then obviously what that's going to do to the supply side of the equation perhaps needs to be factored in. And and, and, and who, know, who knows what the future holds there. I think we've seen, we've seen that with um, lithium. I think we've, we'll, 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 we will see it with uranium and you know possibly with nickel. And I, you know, for, as, you're, as an investor, it's good news. If you're the industry or in the sector, I can sort of see why you want to sort of move upstream and take large chunks of potential supply yourselves so yeah interesting times as always this metal super cycle seems to be um he- heading our way i look forward to taking advantage of that mark appreciate time today uh go and enjoy the cold yes i got it take I, me I five minutes to get bundled up but i'll be ready so. <laughs> all right take care sir